The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is your your host for this evening. My name is Dave Schultz, a host that's been around for umpteen years. And I just thank God for the opportunities that we still have to be able to proclaim the simple message of God's love in Jesus Christ and who made it possible for us to know with confidence that what God has promised us will be ours. My guest for this evening will be a guest that we have had many times, and I love interviewing her because I never know what the end result of our of our broadcast interview is going to be. But welcome, Judah Meyer. Thank you so much, Pastor. I love being on your show. Thank you for having me. You have moved from the city to the country, correct? I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't hear your question. I just got the last part that said country. I, I said you have moved from the city to the country, correct? Yes, I did, to 28 acres, and I'm loving it. Well, thank God that uh, Judah is doing what she always wanted to do and finding a place where she always wanted to be, a tranquil place in the country. Um, I praise God for that, for the opportunity that you have. Amen. Let me go yes, back to our beginning. I do not remember how you and I came into contact with each other. But when I heard about Judah Myers, I could not help but wonder, is my thinking about children, especially children who are born of rape, wrong? Uh, could I have had a wrong thinking on this? And I have to say, uh, Judah has helped me to understand more clearly that these children born of rape are just the same as we are. They're children of the Heavenly Father, redeemed by the blood of Christ. Judah, let me go back a little bit and uh, help the audience understand how in the world you are used by God to touch the lives of women or men, people who have been aborted, and how you help them change their thinking about this? Um, the way that people think usually is because they aren't thinking. They don't even consider the child as an innocent person who had nothing to do with the crime. And if you enable them to understand that you don't want to be hauled off and killed, executed for crime you didn't commit. So why should that child be executed? Shouldn't we be executing rapists instead? And so many people will argue to the point with me, and then I'll say, do I deserve to die? And they will adamantly say, of course not. Why would you even bring that up? And then I tell them, because I was conceived of eight men, raped my mother on a street corner in St. Louis. And their faces just completely change. And um, I've had so many people apologize and say they just hadn't thought about the child. 
And so, um, you know, God has used me to help open the eyes. You know, I'm a messenger, so he opens the eyes, really. But um, I was given the opportunity to share all around the world. And every time somebody comes up to me and says, that's either my story or, wow, I never thought of it that way. So um, he's also using me to help the victims of rape because most of society thinks they don't want that child, but in fact they're fighting for their child, and society keeps pushing for them to abort. So my mom told the story of how her parents wanted her to abort even before abortion was legal and how she had to fight for my life. The doctor even said, I'll take care of it. And she sternly told him, you will not take care of it because it is my baby. And so I just felt compelled. You know, I I asked God, what are you going to do about this? There's nobody helping these people. And um, warning, if you ask God, what's he going to do about something? He just might turn it back on you and say, what are you going to do? And that's where I'm at today with my organization helping restore honor and dignity back to the women and children of right conception. First of all, Judah, what is the name of your organization so that people can become familiar with the terminology and so when they hear it, they know that compassion really runs this business? Absolutely. It's choices, the number four, life, and then .org if you want to go to the website. Judah, I'm going to go back uh, to your story. Um, I I think your story is so compelling um, because it opens the door almost automatically for others who hear the story. So tell us your story about who you are and how you got to be where you are and God's grace in your life. Well, I've always loved the Lord. Um, I always knew that I had a creator and always sought to, to learn who he was. And um, when I found out that I was conceived in rape, it was traumatic to the point of almost suicide. And I just heard him say, and it, I know people don't necessarily believe it, but I heard him audibly say to me, I placed you in the camp of the enemy to glorify my name. Wow. So that particular purpose uh, compels me to go out and be who he created me to be. I met my mother. And when she told me that I was conceived the way I was, I started crying, put my head in her lap. She was in a wheelchair and I was kneeling beside her. She patted me and she said, honey, stop your crying. I've forgiven those men. And look what God has done. He's brought you back to me. See, my mom was forced to place me for adoption. And I was raised, loved, um, never knowing how my um, conception had been. And then at 48, I met her, changed my life. And so I know who I am beyond a shadow of a doubt. I wasn't created by the will of a man or a woman. I was created by the will of the creator of the universe. How can I not be enthusiastic about my life? Judah, what would you say to that person who has heard your story, heard your testimony, and maybe heard the testimony of others still come up to you and say, um, who in their right mind would want a rape baby? What would you say to that? I would say who in their right mind would want to kill an innocent baby and let a rapist go free and take the only good thing 
that could ever come from that rape away from a mother who has suffered so much already. You've experienced something in your own life by having come into the light of who you are by virtue of of the fact that your mom gave you up for adoption and you found her. How long did it take for Judah to find her birth mom after she found out who she was? 48 years. I want to encourage somebody, if they're praying about something and it's not coming right away, don't give up. My mom prayed for 48 years and she finally got her prayer answered. Um, we, we don't know what the future holds for us, but our creator does. And no matter what you're going through, he is still in charge. And to have faith in him gives us the power, gives us the joy, the freedom. Just for the longest time, Judah, um, I have I have believed or I have been convinced to believe um, that these children born of a rape aren't who the world says they are. They're not demons and they're not going to be uh, the worst of the criminals that enter the penitentiary system. But they are conceived in the same way that every child is conceived. That person, that child is born in the same way that every person, every child is born by way of the birth canal of the mother. And the attitude that some have about just that particular issue of who they are and where they came from really brings a sour taste in the mind or in the mouth of people who even call themselves believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we deal with that? And I know that you've run into it again and again as you have spoken across the country and the world. How do you deal with that kind of criticism? I just look at myself. I know that he was perfect. He gave his life for us, yet the majority of people would rather have him crucified than to accept him. And so it's okay. Um, That's their choice, but it doesn't affect me in my purpose for life. I, I pray for them. I feel sorry for them. Do most of the mothers that you talk to um, who have been born of rape, uh, do they tend to want to live in isolation simply because of what the world thinks about them? Or, are, or is it that God has given you this open door to bring them through that door and let them see a new light? They're all different. Some want to just brag on their child and their public and their sharing all the time. And then there are others who can't handle the attacks. Um, you know, we're all different. And there are some that I know some that haven't even told their child that they were conceived in rape. So people walking around today might have been conceived in rape and they don't even know it. I know a person who she was against, um, not against, but she was for uh, abortion in cases of rape until she learned she was conceived in rape. We don't know. You know, you go all the way back back to Cain and Abel. There was a murderer in our lineage. And so who can throw the first stone? Our, 
our DNA carries murderers and thieves and rapists. And so who we are today is determined by our will. Will we line up with our creator or will we line up with some other thought process? One of the things that I heard a long time ago, not a long time ago, a few months ago, I had never heard this before. And that was simply that that these children um, born of a rape and born from a mother um, who conceived that child in a rape. And the point of the discussion that, as I recall it, was that child must be told one day who he or she is, but they must also be told the great message that God loved them enough that he sent his son for them as well. And I just I just keep ruminating on that because it's only the message of the cross. It's only the message of, of hope and forgiveness in in the Messiah that that we have hope in anything in this life because everything mm-hmm. else runs toward degradation and sinfulness and, and judgment. So tell me now um, something that you speak in a positive way to a group of women who all come from the same situation. They've all been raped. Uh, they all came from, they, they, their child came from rape and maybe they came from rape themselves. What what is the most assertive, positive thing that you can speak about when you speak to these gracious ladies? I tell them that God saw them in their pain, and while He doesn't stop evil, He lets everybody make a choice. He saw that woman, and He gave her the greatest gift that He can—a child made in His image. You know. Um, a pastor sent me an email one day and said, Judah, you probably have heard the verse before, but you probably don't know the backstory. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. And different versions use different words. But it says, basically, that God has taken the base things of the world to confound or shame the wise. And he said that the word base in the in a Greek is obvious. That word meant illegitimate birth. And you know the person that um, I spoke to about this. And um, she said, oh, Judah, because she spoke Greek. Oh, Judah, it's far worse than that. It means the lowest of all illegitimate birth. And I thought, well, rape is the lowest of all illegitimate births in the world. The world has such disdain for rape-conceived children. And wow, my creator is going to use me to shame and confound the world? So I've seen this happen. I've seen people so ashamed. And all I did was I said that I was conceived when eight men raped my mother. And right there I see that verse come to life because they say, I'm so, so sorry. I can't believe that I didn't put a face to it. So I see that verse coming to life, and I tell those mothers, there is greater purpose. What man meant for evil, God is going to take for your good 
and for his glory. You know, I've got a conviction about something about life, and that is that until, because of just what the Bible says about the story of Cain and Abel, until we understand or until we grasp the message that um, murder is wrong, no matter what what kind of murder it is, it still is wrong. And until we can attack this, until we get the people of our nation and our churches to to think about this, um, we'll not get at all the major other issues that we're facing either. Just the first one, in other words, thou shalt not murder another person. Judah, I promised you that we're going to spend some time uh, as we get it to the last uh, seven or eight minutes of our of our interview today. I want to talk about how you function, how you serve these women who come to you. Uh, I know that you serve them with prayer. I know that you serve them with, with gospel readings. I, and I know that you empathize with them because of the fact that you can empathize with them. But all this does not happen in a vacuum. It has to happen because somebody cared enough to say, I'm going to support what Judah does. I'm going to write a check for what Judah does because these precious babies coming from these mothers are important not only to God, but they're important to me. Judah, talk a little bit about the funding of what you do. We are so dependent on donors because we don't get a grant. I don't. I don't have a staff that's paid. I don't have people who are doing fundraising for me. And in fact, the times that we tried to do um, a fundraiser, it was so disheartening because the majority of girls thinks that the rape conceived ought to be aborted. So we are very, very dependent on those people who realize that all life deserves to live. And we work with other people. Um, there's a, one group that has 190 young moms and their babies in a housing facility, and the house hospital, local hospital works with them, takes care of all of their needs. Many of them are rescued from trafficking, and these babies need so much help. Babies are born premature with drug addictions and developmental problems. Um, one baby had brain bleeds that took three surgeries. And for the past two years, the hospital has been working with us because they don't go through Medicare. They don't ask for government help because um, there's a lot of red tape and there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So they came to me and asked if I would help with some of the finances. So last year they did a contract of $10,000 to pay for every girl that was brought in and every baby. There was no limit. And there was no limit to the care. And last year, a girl had um, a double lung transplant. One girl had a kidney transplant. We are talking major, major, major surgeries. Um, a little baby, his name is Elijah. He had three heart surgeries and will have to have one more before he's good to go. He's um, 11 months old now. So we have a lot of young girls in desperate need. Um, we have helped with food and clothing and the apartments that they are in. Um, it, it's a one-time $600 to set up their electricity and everything, um, utilities. And then it's a $400 um, charge that this 
um, company, furniture company, is giving us an entire one-bedroom apartment completely furnished, even with baby furniture, for these girls for $400. So for a mere $1,000, these girls can stay in these in this housing unit for as long as they need to be there without any charge of rent or utilities or anything. They are given education. They're giving counseling. The hospital is teaching them how to uh, raise their babies. They have regular ongoing uh, classes for that. They're being taught the Bible. Um, they are being given everything they need. And so I've partnered with them. This past year has been really, really hard. They've asked for 15000 and we just, just made it because some of the doctors weren't wanting to perform the surgery because the full amount wasn't paid. And I don't even know how that works, that someone could be have um, life-giving talent and refuse to give it unless you got $1,200. So those are the, the, the troubles that we have and the needs that we have and how we're giving back to these moms. We have helped moms with um, with job applications. We've helped them um, take care of daycare. We have, I mean, you just name it, and we've covered it. We, I remember one time going up to Waco and delivering a whole 22-foot U-Haul trailer full of furniture and, and everything to provide for this young woman up in Waco. We just do whatever needs to be done. One of the things, Judah, that has caught my attention in all this, and that is that when we do fundraising for uh, what I do, the proclaiming the gospel over radio, we can prepare in advance to do our fundraising. You can't. Uh, everything comes to just uh, a point of crisis. The, the moment that something happens, they call upon you, and you don't have time. You just have to depend upon the requests that you make and the Holy Spirit's guidance in the life of people. And I would plead with people anywhere who's who has the opportunity to listen to what Judah has said this day to consider with all of your heart, not only would you pray for her, but realize that when something happens and a mom comes to her, it's not six months in advance. It's immediate. That's when the need is immediate. And it isn't hundreds of dollars. It's oftentimes thousands of dollars. Judah, let's talk about this a little bit of the, the crisis of, of this. And then I want to conclude with you telling us, um, how people can contribute again to your nonprofit corporation. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's always tax-deductible. So if they want to make an end-of-the-year tax-deductible gift, that would just be fantastic to help us prepare for the next year. Um, we we also have blankets and scarves and different things. I'm trying any kind of way to figure out how to bring in um, money for these girls. So. We have minky fabric that we're sewing. I need volunteers who can help sew that fabric in the Houston um, area, Huntsville area. I also need people who understand um, fundraising, who may want to go after grants. I'm just me, believe it or not. Sometimes I feel like the Wizard of Oz, you know, that I'm wearing all the hats. We're coming up on 10 years, January 1. It's our 10th year anniversary. And let me just tell you, by the grace of God, 
Give us your address again, and I'll conclude this program and say thank you, Judah. What is your address of your per- or corporation? Um, choices, the number four, life.org. Dot org, not dot com. Judah, I want to say thank you. You're God sent to moms who probably are scared to death about what the future is going to hold. But thank you. Thank you that God has called you and you're willing to help. We pray this. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Come back with us again next Sunday night on Engaging Truth. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.